Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Tuesday, January 10th, and we start with local news. At approximately 9.29 a.m. last Friday, Columbia Fire and Rescue responded to a reported residential structure fire on Cheyenne Trail. Crews arrived on the scene to find smoke and flames emitting from one of the windows of the home. Fire crews were able to quickly and effectively extinguish the blaze without incident. One patient was transported to Murray Regional Medical Center. The cause of this fire was ruled to be accidental due to an open flame. Open flame is a leading cause of residential structure fires in the state. Open flame is des- defined as any activity or device producing a flame, including but not limited to candles, incense, butane, gas burners, fire pits, and grills. A vast majority of these open flame fires are caused by burning candles. Please never leave anything with an open flame unattended. If you do decide to burn candles or incense in your home, always ensure that they are placed at least 12 inches away from anything that can catch on fire. The City of Columbia was awarded a $4.8 million grant from the Federal American Rescue Plan Fund, which will be used to help fund the new wastewater plant in Columbia, increasing the city's wastewater treatment capacity for years to come. The grant would also fund construction costs to renovate and replace old sewer lines, as well as replacement of the Duck River Sewage Pumping Station. Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder said the city is pleased to be awarded the ARP grant to be administered by the state to help with building a new $65 million wastewater treatment plant in Columbia, the largest capital project in the city's history. The City of Columbia recently embarked upon its biggest capital project in city history with what will be a new state-of-the-art wastewater treatment plant upon completion, a project that will ensure adequate wastewater facilities for the next 50 years, Mayor Mulder said. This grant will go towards that overall investment, allowing the city to defer costs and allowing taxpayers to have even less of a burden, he said. The city's grant, announced by the Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation on Friday, is part of 24 grants totaling $125.9 million, administered by TDEC in the form of drinking water, wastewater, and stormwater infrastructure grants. The grants announced Friday follow the announcement of 18 grants totaling $72.4 million from the ARP fund in August and October, bringing the total awarded by TDEC year-to-date to $198.4 million. State Representative Scott Sapicki also stated the impact the grant will have on rapidly growing Columbia. As Columbia continues to grow, it is vital that we have the necessary infrastructure in place to best serve our residents and businesses, Sapicki said. This grant will help address critical needs that currently exist while also ensuring that our community continues to thrive for years to come. I appreciate TDEC's continued partnership and support of these very important projects, he said. Tennessee received $3.725 billion from the ARP, and the state's Financial Stimulus Accountability Group dedicated $1.35 billion of those funds to TDEC to support water projects and communities throughout Tennessee. Of the $1.35 billion, approximately $1 billion was designated for non-competitive formula-based grants offered to counties and eligible cities. The remaining funds will go to state-initiated projects and competitive grants. These grants will address important water infrastructure needs throughout our state, especially those among disadvantaged communities, Governor Bill Lee said. 
We look forward to the improvements the project will bring, and we commend the communities who have gone through the application process, he said. Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally called the grants critically important, now more than ever, to help secure the state's infrastructure for years to come, while Speaker of the House Cameron Sexton said the grants will help the state's cities and counties during a time of great growth. According to McNally, the state's fiscal accountability group worked to make sure the funds were spent appropriately and efficiently. Yesterday, Governor Bill Lee made a public announcement related to the expansion of broadband internet service to rural Middle Tennessee. WKOM-WKRM's Delk Kennedy attended the press conference and spoke to several key players in the process. This is Delk Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. Today I am at Allenbrook Farms in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Something very exciting is going on. The governor of Tennessee is going to announce a new partnership between United Communications, uh, Middle Tennessee Electric, Duck River Electric, and uh, also involved is Murray County, the, uh, the county government of Murray County to bring uh, broadband fiber to the customers of Duck River Electric uh, and Middle Tennessee Electric here in Middle Tennessee. That means that uh, almost all of Murray County, particularly rural Murray County, which Duck River Electric serves, is going to get broadband. I'm speaking with Scott Spence, CEO of Duck River Electric. Scott, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having us. We're very excited today about our partnership. This is exciting. Now, tell me what this is going to mean for rural Murray County, which Duck River primarily serves. Uh, What's going to happen? So over the next few years, rural Murray County is going to have access to broadband through our partnership with United Communications. That is fantastic. Well, let's let's talk about how that's going to happen. Now, tell us who United Communications is. So United Communications is a local telecommunications company headquartered in Chapel Hill, Tennessee. They've been around for decades, much like Duck River Electric, serving the communities here in Middle Tennessee. Wow, that's amazing. And together you are going to make... Uh, Fiber, internet connection, high-speed internet available to uh, all of Duck River Electric's customers. How long is that going to take, Scott? Well, the build-out will take several years, and right now they're focusing on a lot of Murray County, and we're excited in the next few years, a lot of Murray County is going to have access to high-speed internet. That's just amazing. And and for folks who don't know, now of course, Columbia Power and Water serves downtown Columbia and, and the immediate Columbia area, but... The ge- geographically, Duck River Electric has a much larger footprint in Murray County than does uh, Columbia Power Water. Sure. So Duck River Electric serves a lot of the rural parts of the county in partnership with other local utilities like Columbia Power and Water. Uh, we serve most of the county of Murray County. And I believe you told me uh, like 16,000 new customers will have rural uh, fiber broadband available to them through this? Sure. Over the next few years, about 16,000 additional Duck River Electric members in Murray County will be getting access to high-speed Internet. And Middle Tennessee Electric serves the uh, Williamson County area as well, correct? That's correct. All right, Scott, congratulations. For more information, uh, you've got a website. Where do people go? Absolutely. You can come to Duck River Electric's website or United Communications. All right. Again, Delk Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. I'm at Allenbrook Farms in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Today the governor is announcing a partnership with United Communications, Middle Tennessee Electric, Duck River Electric, Uh, which will bring broadband to almost all of our listening area, particularly the rural 
areas of our listening area here in Middle Tennessee. Scott, congratulations. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Governor Bill Lee spoke to the audience about this exciting project and the effect that it will have on Tennesseans uh, who don't have broadband. As I've said, what happens in rural Tennessee matters to every Tennessean. We need to have an economy that works for all Tennesseans. We have the number one economy in America of all 50 states right now. And we need to make sure that that is happening in every community all across our state. And access to technology will allow that to happen. We all know that. The ability to, to work from home, the ability to be educated from home, the ability to get access to health care at home, uh, the ability to live and work in a rural community in today's world requires uh, broadband expansion. So when we came into office, we uh, decided to make this a priority, and we, we have done so every year, but this is the year that we really, because of the American Rescue Plan, we created the Tennessee Emergency Broadband Initiative. That combination allowed us to put uh, $450 million into the broadband expansion for our state that will serve estimated at 150,000 more people, and that access will be important to those folks. This, I will say there are a lot of people in this room who are partners and local leaders. This is entirely a local effort. There's... There's funding from the state that's actually partnered, that's matched with the local funding uh, from the partnership of Project Unite, but it is a partnership of local effort. That's really how this happens. That's what's so exciting about it to me is that this is local leaders serving local people. Lives will be changed by this, and at the end of the day, that's, you know, there's a lot of policy we work on every day, but at the end of the day, if it's being driven by a desire to impact people's lives for good, then it's good policy. And that's, that's really what this is. This is really valuable stuff. Infrastructure, communication, uh, technology, in rural communities in particular, it's, it's life-changing things that are happening because of you and the people in this community who want to do it. And by the way, this is the largest investment. This is the largest grant of all the grants that the state has made in state history for the expansion of broadband in this region. So congratulations to you for, yeah. Sorry. I also talked with Eric Provetti, chair of the Murray County Commission, about what Murray County and Murray County government did to make this project possible. So the people of Murray County need to be praised for their participation in this project. The win needs to go to them as well because Murray Countyans wrote letters into the state in support of this grant, and Murray County surpassed every other state in the state. They wrote more letters than anybody, so praises need to be given to the people of Murray County because Murray County wanted this internet. They wanted the broadband. They wanted it in the rural communities, and it was their efforts and their letter-writing campaign that was a big part of the success of this happening for us. Thank you, Eric. Columbia State Community College recently recognized 16 emergency medical technicians and 19 advanced emergency medical technicians upon completion of their programs during the fall 2022 EMS pinning ceremony held in the Webster Athletic Center. It is a privilege to prepare our students to enter the best profession in the world so that they may be a shining light on someone's worst day, said Mackenzie Leonard, Columbia State instructor of EMS. 
I am proud to see these graduates' hard work pay off as they continue the EMS Academy's tradition of excellence and pursue their passion in caring for others, she said. Fall 2022 EMT completers achieved an 88% first attempt pass rate for the National Registry. Students in the integrated certificate received a 100% first attempt pass rate on the EMT National Registry and a 95% first attempt pass rate on the Advanced EMT Registry. The success of these students is phenomenal when compared to the national average first attempt pass rate of 59 to 68% across the same time period. Mackenzie and our EMS Academy faculty do an incredible job at preparing these students for credentialing exam success, said Greg Johnson, Columbia State EMS Academy Program Director. We are proud of these student cohorts, their commitment to excellence, and the desire to serve their communities, he said. An EMT provides basic life support at the site of illnesses and injuries, assisting with transport to the hospital. The advanced EMT provides basic and advanced life support at sites of illnesses and injuries through transport to the hospital. The accelerated AEMT path is an academy-style technical certificate program designed to educate and train students to serve as vital members of a pre-hospital EMS team in a single semester. Students must complete 144 hours of clinical rotations to earn a technical certificate in AAEMT. EMT certificate completers also have the option to pursue the General Technology Associate of Applied Science degree by combining coursework from two certificates with general education courses to complete a personalized degree program. These students chose Columbia State for EMS with the intent of being credential and workplace ready in 15 weeks, said Dr. Kay Fleming, Columbia State Dean of the Health Sciences Division. The EMS education immersive experience requires a progressively more complex application of skills. Completers are, thankfully, ready to immediately take on responsibility for patient care and outcomes, she said. The program provides students with the necessary didactic and practical training to perform life-saving skills. Additionally, students learn to work alone, as well as in a squad-based team environment. For more information about the EMS program, visit www.columbiastate.edu forward slash EMS or contact Johnson at 931-540-2792. The Spring Hill Police Department is seeking the public's help in identifying several people involved in an altercation that involved someone who brandished a handgun. According to a Spring Hill Police Department news release, officers were dispatched to the Body Shop Athletic Club on Stephen P. Jokic Parkway at 6.30 p.m. last Thursday for a reported disturbance involving a handgun. Police said that several people who were playing basketball got into an argument that resulted in an unidentified person displaying a handgun and prevented people from leaving the scene. Police said that no shots were fired, but they that they were hoping to identify the people involved in the incident, all of whom were gone by the time officers arrived. Spring Hill Police Department is asking anyone with information about the incident or those involved to submit an anonymous tip to www.springhilltn.com. Brandy Cothran, Murray County Administrator of Elections, recently passed the Tennessee State Election Commission Certification Exam, a rigorous process that enhances her expertise in the election process. 
the administrator of election certificate program given by the secretary of the state's division of elections is a rigorous closed book written assessment that can last up to three and a half hours, according to Tennessee Secretary of State Trey Hargett. Hargett and the state coordinator of elections, Mark Goins, recognized Cawthron for her accomplishment in December. Congratulations to Brandy on this outstanding achievement, Hargett said. The certification demonstrates her continued commitment to serving the voters of Murray County. Cawthron, who worked in the election office for nearly 24 years under past administrator Todd Baxter, took the helm as the current election administrator last year when Baxter retired. Since since she has led the operations for the heavily contested August Murray County general election and state primary and the November 8th general election. Preparing for this exam during two challenging elections was not an easy task, Cawthron said. I feel a huge sense of accomplishment with this certification. I hope the voters of Murray County will have confidence moving forward that our elections will be handled with the knowledge needed to maintain fairness, security, and integrity. Questions which are based on statutory requirements range from voter registration to election day guidelines. Before taking the certification exam, election administrators completed a training process covering 40 different topics related to election law. I applaud Brandy for the diligent hard work she put into passing this exam, Gowen said. For the latest information about Tennessee or county elections, you can visit https://sos.tn.gov or www.murraycounty-tn.gov forward slash 230 forward slash election dash information. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mr. Steve Benjamin King, 57, a former employee of the Reserve at Spring Hill Apartments and a resident of Clifton Scott Road, died Monday at Murray Regional Medical Center. Funeral services for Mr. King will be conducted on Wednesday at 2 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Scott Family Cemetery. The family will visit with friends on Tuesday from 4 to 8 p.m. at the funeral home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important, but we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours, and we invite you to experience the difference. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have lots of sunshine with a few clouds mixed in. The high will be 61 degrees with winds out of the south-southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect considerable cloudiness and a low of 43 degrees. Winds will be out of the south at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) 
My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Chris Dowdy from Tennessee Children's Home. We are overwhelmed by the support through our move to our new Spring Hill campus. We are excited about the new opportunities that these buildings will provide us to serve at-risk youth. We ask that you will continue to pray for us and those that we serve. We still need your continued support. Visit our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, to make a donation or learn more about what we're doing to serve at-risk youth in Tennessee. For the love of Tennessee at dawn. For the love of the fight. For the love of having nowhere else you'd rather be. For the love of Tennessee. Travel safe. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Tourist Development, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. 
Toll lanes, changes to Tennessee's abortion law, and money for Memphis sports stadiums are some of the top items state lawmakers will address during the new legislative session in 2023. The 113th Tennessee General Assembly will convene today, January 10th, for the first half of the two-year legislative term. Republicans hold a supermajority in each chamber and have kept the same leadership team intact. The GOP gained two seats in the 99-member House and now holds 75 seats. In the 33-member Senate, Republicans hold 27 seats. Some issues from previous sessions are likely to surface again, like criminal justice reform, but with new members and leadership changes on the Democratic side, other issues are likely to rise as priorities for the party. As a growing number of cities push to remove Confederate monuments, the city of Forest Hills is now battling the Tennessee Historical Commission to rename several of its streets in a legal challenge that could have a broader impact on historic preservation laws. The city and Davidson County petitioned the Historical Commission last year to change six Confederate-named streets named after uh, after residents said they were fed up with frequent vandalism to signs on Robert E. Lee and Confederate drives. Forest Hills, a satellite city in wealthy Davidson County enclave, contends that the Historical Commission has no authority to stop the city from renaming its subdivision streets since they were built and named by developers on private property in the 1950s. The commission, however, in a decision in October, rejected the city's arguments and determined the streets are memorials, as defined by the Tennessee Heritage Protection Act, since they are located on what is now public property. In response, Forest Hills in December filed a lawsuit against the agency, asking a judge to reverse the decision and clarify the law. The case is pending in Davidson County Chancery Court. A spokesperson for the Tennessee Historical Commission declined to comment due to the ongoing litigation. The push comes as cities across the nation are considering whether the Confederate monuments and names belong in public spaces. In an effort to preserve its memorials, Tennessee in 2013 passed the Heritage Protection Act, which generally prohibits the removal, relocation, or renaming of a memorial on public property unless approved by the state's 29-member historical commission. The law was amended in 2016 to require a two-thirds majority vote from the commission, making it even more difficult to make changes. In more than a dozen petitions reviewed under the law in recent years, the commission has approved a handful of cases while denying others. In the case of Forest Hills, the question may come down to whether streets built on private property but are now considered public can constitute as memorials under state law. In an historical commission meeting last year, L. Marshall Albritton, an attorney representing the city, said Forest Hills was built in 1957 by private developers as more people fled cities for suburbs. The city at the time didn't have standards for naming the streets, so the developers picked up names including Confederate Drive and Robert E. Lee Drive, but All Britain said many residents now feel those names no longer serve the community. All Britain said the city is concerned some people will draw conclusions about Forest Hills based on its street names and that residents fear there could be violence or vandalism. In addition to the Forest Hills petition, the Historical Commission is also considering a request from the Nashville Board of Parks and Recreation to remove the private Confederate soldier monument in Centennial Park. A hearing on the Forest Hills lawsuit, first reported by Tennessee Lookout, is set for February 17th. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. 
Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. January is National Blood Donor Month, and Blood Assurance is working to bring in more donations. The organization announced two incentive programs, the Heart of Gold Platelet Club and the Blood Assurance Hero Club. They are a year-long campaigns focusing on platelet and type O blood donations. The Heart of Gold Platelet Club provides prizes for platelet donors who give four times each year. The prizes include an igloo cooler, backpack, a Yeti travel mug, a duffel bag, and a Port Authority jacket. The Blood Assurance Hero Club encourages more donations from those with O-negative or O-positive blood. Prizes include a Yeti Rambler, $50 e-gift card, and an Eddie Bauer jacket for those who donate whole blood twice or double red cells during certain months of the year. This year is the 53rd annual National Blood Donor Month, according to Blood Assurance. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM, WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.